Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, remember last week, right? We asked, well, we hung out with Tina Turner for a little bit, and she asked the infamous question, what's love got to do with it, right? That was the, well, we discovered in our time together that Paul answers that very question. You go, what do you mean? What's love got to do with it? Everything. Everything. That's the whole point. What's love got to do with it? He says, man, are you kidding me? He says, without biblical love, without the, the agapeo, the agape love, he says, we're, we're just basically making noise. We can look spiritual. We can look like a Christian. We can, we can do all that. But without biblical love, he says, man, you're just making noise. And last week we covered the first three verses in our text and we looked at verse John and we went to some other places. But here's what we learned. We learned that Tina really didn't have it right when it comes to biblical love. You go, what do you mean? Well, we know that biblical love is not a second-hand emotion. I understand that. Hollywood wants us to believe that it's a feeling, but it's not a second-hand. We also learned that biblical love was not, what's that, pastor? It's not a sweet old-fashioned notion. Okay? That's not biblical love. You go, well, what is biblical love? Well, if you're taking note or you want to jot this down again, biblical love is a verb. It's a choice. It's an action. That's what biblical love is. It's not a feelings. Oh, right? Hollywood says, da, da, two people running together and the guy has roses in one hand and candy in the other and he throws them in. Uh, that's feelings. This is biblical love. You go, well, like what? Well, notice what John told us. The Apostle John said that love of God was manifested toward us. The word manifested means it was a choice. He showed us. It was made known. What's that? That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And in this love, he says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as the propitiation for our sins. Love, listen, love is an action word. Love is an action. God goes, man, look, I need to do something. I, I, I need to do something. Think about it like this. The word of God declared to us that mankind didn't love God first. Okay, mankind, he, he, he didn't, we didn't. It wasn't that God was so compelled. He goes, oh, look at these, look at these poor humans and they're just waiting. And you and I are walking around going, we just love you, Lord. We, we're just loving something and we just don't know what it is. And there's a spirit in the sky. That wasn't us. But it says that God chose. He loved us. He did this. Guys, listen. And here's the word I use. He bankrupt heaven. He bankrupt. He took everything so that you and I could be reconciled to him. That's love. That's love. And, and, and he wasn't looking down, seeing a bunch of people, and he's like, oh, I feel so sad, you know. And, and it wasn't like the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit drew straws to see which one would die. Oh, well, you go. No, you go. No, I don't want to go. That's not that at all. We get this feeling. But, but here's what it says. It says, this is the love. This is, this is how it was manifested. You guys got to catch this. Why? Because if it gets in your soul, it's going to change your life. How so? Paul says in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates. 
What demonstrates? What does that mean? God demonstrates. The word is to cause something to be known by action. To be known by action. To make known by action. To demonstrate. To show. But God made that. What did he make, man? What is it? What is he so adamant about? He said he, that God demonstrate his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was a beautiful verse. Beautiful verse. Why? Because it shows action in love. It's the verb. God chose. I love them. But sometimes, here's the thing, right? In our love, in our different kind of love, we go, well, I love them as long as they're acting right. I love them as long as they're pretty. I love them as, God's like, no, no, no. I love them, and while they were yet sinners, while we were still yucky, while we were still a mess, while we weren't thinking about God, God was thinking about me. While I was basically running away from God, not listening to his voice, he goes, no, 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 I still love you, Ben. I'm going to send my son to die for you. Think about this, what God demonstrates his own love toward us, that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, there's still a lot of sinners out there that need Jesus. They just haven't found him yet. But he's coming. He's coming. I love it. I love it. Now, here's the demonstration. We've seen this, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. That's action. That's action. He gave Jesus that while we were still yet sinners, he chose to die and reconcile us back to him. Think about that. Think about that. It's one thing, parents. It's one thing that you go, man, I would die for my kids. I would lay down my life for my kids. Amen? You know we would. But would you lay down your life for a stranger? Well, it depends on the certain situation. I'm not sure. If I had to give my life, I would. But would you lay down your life for dirty, rotten scoundrels who would blaspheme you, cuss you to your face, shake your fist in your face? Would you do that? No way, Pastor. No way. Man, they're on their own. That's not love. God's love says, I'll still do it. I'll still do it. It's incredible. What is biblical love? Well, remember we talked about last week. Biblical love is not selfish, guys. It's not self-seeking. It's sacrificing. It's sacrificing. It's giving. It's going, listen, it's not about me. It's about you. It's sacrificing. That's what biblical love is, we learned. We also learned, check it out. We also learned that it's infectious. It's contagious. That's what biblical love is. People see it in you and they want it. Okay, right now we were at the airport yesterday and there was a lot of people who had masks on because they don't want whatever's going around. They said, no, thank you, boom, right? People have been feeling, oh, don't touch me, I'm not feeling well, we don't want that. But biblical love, we, we want it. We see something in you, go, man, I want that. I'm not sure what it is. Listen, you're always so happy, you're always so joyful. You're just, there's something different. What do you have? Man, you could have what I have. It's infectious. It's contagious. Biblical love, guys, is evident. You go, what does that mean? Guys, the Bible says if we love one another, God lives in us, help me, and his love is brought to full expression in us. That's what love is. You go, what do you mean? It's, it's evident. It's Okay, 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 hey, stay with me, okay? We can modify our behavior, can't we? We can change our behavior if we try really, really hard. 
But that's not biblical love. See, biblical love is evident because of Jesus living in us. It's just going to come out of us. It's a natural byproduct, guys. Okay? Think of yourself as a sponge. Okay? Think of yourself as a sponge. If I were to take a sponge and I were, and, 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 and what's the difference? A, a dry sponge is that just it. It's a dry sponge. If you squeeze a dry sponge, nothing comes out. You go, of course not, Ben. A sponge is made to be dipped into water. So you take a sponge, you put it in water, right? And what does it do? It absorbs the water. What happens when you take that sponge out and you squeeze it? Water comes out. Consider yourself a sponge of God's biblical love. And when the world begins to squeeze you, guess what comes out? God's love. You go, wait a minute, Ben. So you're saying I have to be submerged in God's love in order to... Oh, wait, there's something there, right? Because I think there's a lot of dry sponges out there. There's a lot of dry sponges. They're not, they're not saturated. There's a good word. Saturated with God's love that when the world begins to squeeze them, they're going, ah, oh, there's nothing coming out. But if we're saturated with God's love and the world begins to squeeze, what's going to come out? Oh, whatever we put in is going to come out. So, we asked the question last week, what's love got to do, got to do with it? Paul says, everything. So much so that he writes in verse 1, though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not love, I become what? A sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, he says, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. What is Paul saying? Guys, here's what we learned. Here's what we should have taken home. Here's what we should put in our heart. Without love, we're simply making noise. Or he says, I'm nothing, or I've made no impact. That's what it is. And so this morning, we go, okay, I know what love is, right? Uh, What's love got to do with it? Everything. But I want to know how biblical love behaves. I want to know how it behaves in my life. Uh, this is how it, how it, how, this is how it needs to be. And so what we're going to do in verses four all the way to 13 is going to give us an in-depth look at biblical love. Now, here's why this is so important. You ready? This is so key. You can jot this down if you're taking note. Our behavior, our conduct is based upon belief. Anybody tracking with me? The way we behave, the way we conduct ourselves is really what we believe in our hearts. That's really, you go, uh, I'm not sure. Let me explain. The way you behave or conduct yourself is truly based on your belief system. What you believe is how you behave. So if we behave what we truly believe, then our love should be clearly seen. That's what he's talking about. This is exactly what's going on. You go, well, what do you mean? Well, if you're taking note, a good reference is what Jesus told his disciples. Do you guys remember what Jesus told his disciples? He said, by all, by this, by love, by this biblical love, he says, all will know that you are my disciples by the love you have one for another. I find it interesting that our Lord Jesus didn't say, you know what? People are going to know my, you're my disciples by all the Bible knowledge you have. People are going to know you're my disciples by how you can quote scripture, mem- verse, address, whatever it is. Boom, you got it. Amen. 
People are going to know you're my disciples by how much you serve at church, by how much you give. All of that. So he didn't say that. He said, listen, people are going to know you're my disciple. You're mine by the love you have one for another. And so with that, guys, we jump into our text. First and foremost, Paul's going to tell us what love is, okay? He's going to give us, like, he's going to give us two, this is what love is, this is how it behaves, and then he's going to give us eight, really, this is what love is not. And so he wants us to put our thinking caps on because when Paul teaches us, we're kind of going, okay, I get it. It's a thinking cap situation. You go, well, like what? Well, okay, let's read it, guys. Verse four. He says, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. He says, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Amen. There you have it. Now, I've got to stop my Bible study right here because I've got to be honest with you. This has been so convicting. It's been so convicting, I'd rather say, hey, let's talk about something else. Right? Because as I studied it, I'm like, oh, I fall so short from what biblical love is. And I should represent the Lord this way. You go, well, yeah, I know, Ben, but we do verse by verse here, so you got to through it. Amen. So let's go through together. Okay? I, I, here's what I want you to understand. I'm not preaching to you. I'm learning with you. Because I think we're all in the, same, in the same boat. Okay, well, like what? Well, the first thing he says is, let me give you a description of what love is. What is love? Well, first and foremost, it's agapeo. Okay, it's agape. We have to be careful because we use love so differently here. Okay, we say, I love my wife. I just love my wife. Boom, 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 boom. But you can also say, I love pizza. And I hope you don't love pizza the same way you love your wife. And I surely hope you don't love pizza more than your wife. Okay, if you do, we have counseling in my office in 10 minutes. Pastor, you don't know my wife. Okay, let's not even go there. Stop. The word is agapeo. It's a divine. It's a biblical. It's a godly love. It's a self-sacrificing love. It's a choice. It is I am going to get in the pool kind of love. It's not phileo. Phileo is affection. It's brotherly love. I love my brother Mark. Mark loves me. Amen. High five. See you later. That's a brotherly love. Okay? Mark and I, we speak the same language. Okay, it was in your, I was in your own stomping grounds just yesterday, right? In Orlando, that's where I was. That Mark used to, we're, that's affection, that's, that's phileos, the city of brotherly love. Then you have eros, that's more of a lust. Okay, that's, that's an affection, lust. Right, you'll hear people go, man, I love her. No, it's eros, you lust her. This is agapeo. Everybody got that? Paul's going to go agapeo, okay? Agape, that's where we get the word agape. Okay, so what does he say? Here's what I want you to understand. Paul is giving us a description of love. This is not how love feels, but how love behaves. Big difference. Big difference. Hollywood has tried, and I say Hollywood in general, Hollywood has tried so hard to distort the definition of love that it's a feeling. It's a feeling. Which I find interesting because people go, I just fell out of love with her. You guys with me? I just, I'm not in love with her anymore. What are you saying? I made a choice to stop loving her. Am I talking to anybody? I made it, why? Because if love is a choice, then we have to make that choice. I know it's hard. You guys are looking at me like, you don't know what you're talking about. I know it's hard. I get it. So what does he say? 
He says, not a feeling, it's how we behave. Well, like what? Number one, if you're taking note, he says, love suffers long. Oh, pastor, is that patience? Is that patience? It is patience, but it's deeper than patience. Okay, well, let's talk about patience for just a moment. Okay, the first thing he says is love is patient. This is what it is. Love is patient. In other words, love will endure a long time. Love will endure a long time. And I love the word patient. Why? Because what he's saying in in just a, a, a surface level is that you need to be patient. You need to be patient. How so? Well, God is patient with you. You make mistakes. You blow it. And God is patient with you. Don't you love that he's patient? And then people will mock us in these last days, guys, as believers. He'll mock us and say, well, how come Jesus hasn't come back? Come on, you said he was going to come back in the 80s. You said he was going to come back in the 90s. Did you just say he was going to come back in 2017? Where's this Jesus? No, 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 he's actually being patient. He's long-suffering because he wants everyone to come to know him. That's how deep his... Listen, he bankrupted heaven. He's not going to be like, okay, well, if you don't come in, sorry for you, too bad for you. He's going, no, I want everyone to come and know me. And that should be our heart too. Our heart should be patient with people to come to know him. Think about this. What if, think about the, the, think about the day before you got saved. The day before you, what if the Lord was like, okay, that's it, I'm coming back. Man, where would we be? I mean, God is patient. He's allowing us to hear the gospel and he's allowing us to respond. Love is patient. You go, yeah, man, but you said it was something a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. Here's what the word means. It means that when he says love is is long-suffering, it's a word used here of a man who is wronged and who easily has the power to avenge himself, but he won't do it out of mercy and patience. That's what it means, long-suffering. It's, it's not just like, well, I'm patient, have patience, right? Because we think of patience as I'm sitting at the dentist's office going, man, I just have patience, hurry up, I just need to get in there. That's patience, that's a different kind of patience. What he's saying is, is, listen, that somebody's wronged you, and you have every right and by all means to avenge that wrong, and you choose not to. And you just go, out of patience and love, no, um, it's okay. Yeah, but, but he hurt you, man. He, he, I know. You don't know what I could do. Boy, I could, I could turn the tables. Oh, I could do, man, I could hurt him so bad. I could hurt, not only could I hurt, I could hurt his family. This is, I, you know. But you don't. People go, what, 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 what why, why don't you, what? It's been said that hurting people hurt people. But love, biblical love says, no, listen, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Because I have mercy and I have patience. Where would I be if the Lord wasn't patient with me? Love is long-suffering, but love is also kind. Love is, love is kind, right? And you go, well, Ben, this is Captain Obvious, no-brainer. What do you mean? Well, guys, here's what he's saying. When you and I have and show God's love, remember, he's living through us, it will be seen. How will it be seen? It'll be seen in really acts of kindness. Acts of kindness, right? We're kind to each other. We don't have to be mean. We don't have to be ugly. Biblical love is that we're able to be kind to one another. 
We're able to have that spirit, that the, the spirit of kindness and gentleness. Well, you go, that's a fruit. Yeah, it is a fruit, right? But what the fruit of love is, well, are you kind? Are you kind? Let me give you this example. Let me give this example, okay? When I think about kindness, I think about children. You go, what do you mean? If you'll ever notice, children will never receive or respond to unkind people. They won't. They sense who's kind. And again, you go, right? Hey, go say, go say hi. Mm-mm. They feel something. They're like, mm. You want to know who's kind? I mean, you want to know who's, who has that insight, who has that long-suffering and kind and patience? I mean, think about it, man. It's, all the, it's where the kids gravitate to. Ah, they're all jumping on him and loving on him. That's, that, that's who it is, man. You know, they call, they call Josh Flores... Mr. Fun Pants. That's what the kids call him. Mr. Fun Pants. He's that guy. They're all jumping out. He's always smiling. I mean, it's just like, yeah, I want that. That's biblical love. That's biblical love. Love is kind. And Paul says, okay, everybody got that? Love is patient. Love is, you know, you got long suffering, suffering. And he says, love is kind. But let me give you eight things it's not. Eight things it's not. Okay, well, what about it? What it, what it is? Well, look at number three. Here's what love is. Not. Love is not envy. Love does not envy. Okay, listen to me. Envy is one of the most damaging of all sins. Envy. Think about it. Envy accomplishes nothing except hurt. Love and envy, guys, are polar opposites of each other. What is envy? Envy is different than jealousy. Okay? This is jealous. I'm going to use Mark because he's sitting right here. Mark bought a brand new car. He didn't, but I'm just using this as a story. Say, Mark bought a brand new car, and I really liked his car, and I'm just jealous. of Mark, that's a great car. Man, listen. Sweetie, did you see Mark's car? I really like Mark's car. Mark's car is awesome. Mark's car, Mark's car, Mark's car. I'm just jealous that Mark has a nice car. You know what envy is? It's deeper. It's uglier. Envy is looking at Mark's car and going, I don't care that Mark has a car, I just don't want him to have it. That's ugly. So it's not just jealous that Ben, I wish I had it. It's saying, I don't want him to have it. And love is not envious, guys. Love doesn't envy. Love is, love is, is, is it, it's, it's not envious, man. Listen. Love does not resent when somebody else is being blessed. I told you it was convicting. When you see your brother or your sister being blessed, what's your reaction? Is it, amen, praise God. Now, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what the human reaction is. Let's be honest in church. Can we be honest in church? You know what the human reaction is? Oh, man, they get, I don't know how they got, they bought a new house. I don't know how they bought a new house. I'm just as good. I serve at church. I don't know. Lord, what's wrong with me? God, what did I do? We get so, we get so self-focused, but you know what? Biblical love goes, amen. That's awesome. That's awesome. They're being blessed. Wow, praise God. I'll be praying for you. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. But when love, guys, is turned inward and it's, and it's selfish and narcissistic, then we become envious. We don't want to see other people being blessed. 
and we don't feel good about that. Paul, help us. Yeah, here, here's what he says. Listen, jot this down. He says, envy actually murdered Abel. Mm, envy enslaved Joseph, Genesis 37. And envy put Jesus on the cross. As a matter of fact, Matthew writes this in 27 verse 18. He says, for he knew that they handed him over because of envy. You see, they didn't want to kill my Jesus just to kill my Jesus. They just, they wanted him. They were envious of him and the people that were following him. That's envy. Paul tells us, you want to know, what, you want to know how love behaves? It, it's not envious. It's not envious. Yeah, but Mark got a brand new car. Praise God, man. Mark deserves it. He's serving Jesus in his own way. He's doing, praise the Lord, man. And maybe Mark will give me a ride on that car. Amen. But don't you want one? Listen, God's got me. I'm okay. Because I expect my brother Mark that if God blesses me with something, he's like, amen. And it's not a, oh, you ready? It's not a competition. Our lives aren't competitions on who's doing what or who's doing not. It's not. It should never be a competition. Come on, be honest. Some of us even think, boy, I hope I have a bigger mansion in heaven. Right? Some of us think we have, oh, man. Well, you know, those people, you know, those people didn't do very much in church, so I don't expect them to have a big mansion, but I, was, I served a lot. I expect to have a pool. Come on, you're laughing because it's true. You know how we think. But in the Christian world, there's no competition. The fact that you get to go to heaven, amen. I, I think we're going to be walking around heaven going, wow, oh, how did you get here? And they're going, how did you get here? I know. Let's go hide before they find out they made a mistake. <laughs> love, love is not envious. That's what he says. He says, love does not parade itself. Okay? Here, here's what he's saying. Love works anonymously without being recognized or being in the limelight. That's what love does. Love's not going, look at me. Can't you just feel how much I love you? How are you? I love you, brother. How are you? It's, it, it, it doesn't have to be recognized. That's the whole point, guys. In Christianity, guys, think about it. It doesn't have to parade itself. Think about a parade. This is what parades do. Parades show, and they, oh, look at me, and every float comes by, but love doesn't have to do that. Love can clean the church, and nobody ever know. Do you know how many behind the scenes happens, and people are, they don't need to be. I mean, that's what he's saying, guys. He says, listen, listen, love doesn't parade itself. It does not. It's not going to look, 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 look. Love and pride, guys, are rivals. But here's what's scary. If love doesn't parade itself, sometimes pride can disguise itself as love only to be glorified. Did you catch that? Pride sometimes can disguise itself as love only to be glorified. Why do we do what we do? Well, I love. I love my wife. I'm going to do what I do because I love my wife. Right? Quick little story. The other day before we were headed for vacation, I decided to um, throw a load of laundry in. Okay? Now, I got to be honest with you. I haven't done a whole lot of laundry in my life. And, and, and I mean, I know you throw it in the washing machine. And, and anyway, 
I thought, well, you know what? I, I, I know we need, I know Nathalie wants to come home. I know she's got a lot of things. Let me throw a load of laundry in. I poured this open. I don't know if it worked. I, clean is clean. You know, before I was married, I'd throw all of the clothes into one washer and whatever, whites, darks, yellows, pink, but it didn't matter, just as long as they were clean. And that's probably, why I can't, that's, that's probably why she didn't let me do laundry. But anyways, here's the point, right? I got a text, and she said, hey, did you do laundry? I asked Talia. Talia said, no. And she said, thank you. Now, here's the point. The point is, if love is prideful and parades itself, right, I would have left several notes telling Natalie, I did this! Lucy! And everything would have point right. I would have I would have texted her right away. How do you work the washer? Why? What are you doing? I'm doing laundry for you. Oh, for me. Well, you guys get the point. The point does not. It, it just you do it because because God's working through you and in you. Sometimes pride can be disguised itself as love, only seeking to be glorified. Let me give you another example. Okay, this is kind of a PG thirteen example, but it's kind of like this. Okay. It's pride, but it's going to be disguised as love. How so? Well, you say, well, listen, baby, guess what? I washed the dishes for you tonight. Wink, wink. Well, what do you mean? Hey, I didn't want you tired, so I washed the dishes and I did the floor. Is that love? See, you're doing it so that you can get something no, well, no, wait, well, I, I, I did this and did this and did this, so you wouldn't have to, not because you love because you were hoping in something in return. Are you guys with me? You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? You, you do stuff to try to get stuff, and that's, not, that's glorification. You're saying, hey, I did the... Listen, wash the dishes, sweep the floor because you love her, and then everything else will take care of itself. I didn't get any amens on that. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> Paul goes on, he says, love is not puffed up. Puffed up to means arrogant or self-focused. It speaks of someone who has a swelled head, right? Love isn't a big-headed. You guys know what I'm saying? Well, don't tell them that. They're going to get a big head. They're going to think they're, this is what he says, love isn't like that at all. Love is not puffed up. And, and listen, parading itself and being puffed up, they're, they're the same thing, guys. They, they're rooted in what? They're rooted in pride. That's not what love is. Okay, so if we're walking around prideful and we're calling it love, that's not, that's not right because Paul says, no, 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 here, biblical love, agapeo, he says, man, it, it's, not, it's not self-focused. I did this for me. I, dis- I did this for you, but for me. Now, here's what biblical love marriage looks like. You ready? Real simple. Women, you serve your husband. Men, you serve your wife. And you just keep trying to outserve each other. Watch what will happen. Watch what will happen. I do that. I love my wife, man. I want to make sure. Yeah, you clean the house, honey? I clean the house. Amen. Watch what will happen. It's just, it's, it's so natural that you just want to serve each other out of love. Out of love. Check this out. Paul says love does not behave rudely. He doesn't behave rudely. Where love abounds, there should be kindness and compassion. Listen, it won't be rude to others no matter how annoying people can get. Ooh, that one's a tough one, okay? Because we have to be stern in our world, but we don't have to be rude. Can I get an amen? 
We have to be strong. We have to be stern. We, there are some things we got to get done and say, but we don't have to be rude. You guys know probably somebody who no matter what, they paint an ugly picture of Christianity because they're rude and they're ugly in a certain situation. Whether it be at the grocery store or whatever, you're just like, oh. And you know, I mean, they're causing a huge... They think that the bigger the fit, the bigger the drama, whatever it might be, the, I mean, and, and no, listen, we, listen, I know people can be annoying. I know that there's certain things in your brain that have to work a certain way, and when they don't work that certain way, you get annoyed and you get frustrated. But here's what God says. God says it doesn't behave rudely. Well, why? How, how does it happen? Here's why. Listen. Because you and I are operating under a different system than the world. Our love, listen, our love comes from Jesus living in us and through us. That's how we know it's not rude. You guys want a real quick test? You want a quick test about biblical love being rude? Okay. First and foremost, answer the phone at dinner time to a telemarketer. Okay? Just answer. Hello? Yes, can I talk to you about your warranty? Listen, you've called me four times. Yes, I know. But, and, and, and it's the ones that don't give up, right? Eventually, boy, they'll get you. They will, it'll be like, I'll, I'll show, I'm going to tell them a few things. We don't have to behave rudely. Here's what you do. You ready? Next time you go, yeah, I'd love to talk to you about my warranty if you'll give me five minutes to talk to you about Jesus. Hello? Hello? I guess they don't want to talk about Jesus. You go, well, give me another example. You ready? You want to know how, how love doesn't behave rudely? When someone goes ahead of you at the restaurant that you've been waiting at. You've been waiting there for 20 minutes. You have the little buzzer in your hand. right? Somebody walks in. You know that you were there first. And they get a table. Excuse me? I need to speak to the manager, please. And I mean, we go nuts, right? And then we're like, and God bless you. Come to my church, you know? And they're like, no. It doesn't behave rudely, guys. It doesn't behave rudely. Right, we represent somebody else. Paul goes on and he says, love does not seek its own. Okay, love doesn't seek its own. And, and jot this down, guys. In Romans chapter 12, verse 10, he, Paul, writing to the Romans, says this. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. What? Here's what biblical love does not seek its own. The idea here is Paul is trying to teach us that love is not selfish and it has others in mind. This is being like Jesus in the most basic ways. You go, what does that mean? Let me sum it up, right? I can give you one word. You ready? Others. Others. We live in a world where love is taught that it's all about you. It's narcissistic. It's intrinsic. That's what it is. This is love. And Jesus comes and he says, no, here's what love is. You ready? Love is about others. Why? Because he says that love doesn't seek its own. Love doesn't seek its own. 
That's what he's talking about right here. It's so, it's about others. As a matter of fact, he gives us a reference in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. You guys know this. He says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Let me give you an example. You go out shopping. You decide to go shopping for groceries. Okay? Others would be like, hey, you know what? Maybe I'll get a bag of, oh, this is on sale. Maybe I'll get that for my neighbors. I know they could use some bread. And, and, and you're thinking, yeah, your bill comes up to $150, whatever it might be, but you're, you're thinking of others who might need it, and God is putting that in your heart, others. It says, he's not saying don't look out for your own interests. Don't go, well, I only have $150 to feed my family. I'm not going to, he's saying, but, but think about others as you go. Love is not provoked, Paul says. Now, I get it, okay? People can be annoying. Can I get an Amen. And they can be hard to love. But we must not be provoked into becoming irritated with others. Don't be provoked. The person that comes to mind biblically when I think about being provoked was our boy Mo, Moses. Do you guys remember Moses? Moses was so provoked and so annoyed and so frustrated with the children of Israel that when God spoke to him, do you remember what he said? He said he calls them rebels. These are people that he let out and he walked with and they had sober. Moses, we want to go back. We didn't want to die here. Where's the water? He's like, what do you want us to do, you rebels? And then he says something very interesting. Moses says, shall we bring water out of this rock? And God's like, no, bro, it's not a we thing. It's never been a we thing. It's a me thing. And Moses took God's glory at that point. And guess what? Moses didn't get to go into the promised land on the first go round because he was provoked. And here's what we need to do. Make sure that we don't provoke others and make sure we're not provoked. Because love is not provoked. Okay? Think about this, right? If love is, is, love is not provoked, then we have to be careful because sometimes we feel like it is and we'll keep asking and we'll keep being frustrated about something because we want something and that's not love. He goes on and he says, love, check this out. You ready? thinks no evil. Okay, now, if, I, if you haven't been convicted yet, this one's going to convict you. You go, what do you mean? Paul just said love, biblical love. Everybody with me? Nod your head. Okay, biblical love. It does, it thinks no evil. This is amazing because here's what it literally means. Ready? Jot this down. Love does not store up the memory of any wrong it has received. Okay, let that sink in. Love doesn't store up any memory of any wrong that it has received. See, this type of love doesn't hold on to hurts of the past. Wow. Wow. Biblical love says, man, nope, nope. It means you're living your life, you're living your life, you're living your life, but you're not worried about all the past of the hurts. You're not holding on to that. You're not holding grudges, and, you're not, and it's not creating bitterness in your heart. You've let it go. That's biblical love. I read a story. One commentator told me a story about a, a, a tribe in Polynesia. Basically, um, it, it was their custom. Check this out. It was their custom to keep, for each man to keep some reminder of their hatred of others. In other words, these reminders, they would be suspended from the roofs of their huts to keep alive the memory of all the wrongs. 
When they walked into their house, they'd go, oh, yeah, do you remember? Do you remember when Jack told me he was mad at me? Do you remember when Leslie said, mm-hmm, I remember? And, and they would, it would, every time, guys, you, you might even forget for a moment, but when you walked in, you saw something that reminded you of how they hurt you and how much you don't like them. And you go, wow, those people in those tribes are crazy. Well, here's what I thought. Listen, I believe a lot of people do the same thing today. And we keep those things in our mind. Love does not store up the memory of any wrong it's received. And that hurt you, hurt me, I'll remember. But I want to love like Jesus loves, and so I got to let go of those hurts. I guess my prayer would be something like, Lord, please, I don't want to remember all the hurts that people have hurt me. I just want to remember how much I love you. And help me to love people the way you want me to love people. The Bible says, as Paul goes on, he says, love does not rejoice in iniquity. In other words, this Jesus love, guys, refuses to color things against others. Where does that come from? You ready? It comes from gossip and slander. And somebody comes to you and says, let me tell you about so-and-so. Did you hear? And love goes, you know what? No. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear what, no. Well, well, I'm not gossip. No, I didn't. listen, you work that out between you and that person. You work it out biblically. I don't, don't, no, because then I'm going to be tainted toward, no, no. Because biblical love does not rejoice in iniquity. See, the other ones are going, hey, wait a minute, did you hear? Did you hear? Wow. Huh. Be careful with gossip and slander. The word of God declares to us, listen, it says it, it doesn't rejoice in iniquity. Instead, it says it rejoices in truth. In truth. Love, listen, can always stand with truth, but it can't with iniquity. And then Paul goes, okay, but there are four more things love is. This is how they behave, right? And we're going, I, I want to know what love is. I want to know what love is. And he says, love is strong, love is believing, love is hopeful, and love is enduring. I love what Spurgeon calls this. Uh, the great pulpiteer calls these the four sweet companions, okay? Now, if you'll look at it, what it says, guys, if you'll look at verse 4, he says, love suffers long and is kind. It does not envy. It does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Look at verse 5. And then all the way to verse 7, it says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Can you tell me what the common denominator is in that verse? All things. All things. And you go, Ben, can you tell me what the Greek rendering is of all things? I sure can. You know what the Greek rendering is? It means everything. It's really simple. Love bears, believes, hopes, endures everything. Oh, well, now we've got to do some work because you're going, Ben, you just give me a blank piece of paper. No, 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 no. Break it down, break it down, bro. Break it down. Okay. What does it mean, bears? You got it ready? Got a pencil handy? Circle that word. It means covers. Okay. It covers all things. As a matter of fact, the reference is 1 Peter 4, 8, where it says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Why? For love covers a multitude of sins. It covers it says, don't be a bear with one another. 
but bear all things. Love covers all things. Okay. Well, well, what else? Love also believes all things. Believes all things. Well, what does that mean? Well, we never believe a lie, and we never believe evil unless the facts demand it. Okay? So we don't believe a lie, but we do believe all things. Okay, if you really love somebody, you believe them, and you believe all things until proven otherwise. And if they prove otherwise, we still love them with the love of the Lord. You guys with me? Why? Because we love, we love, we love. Think about this. We choose to believe, ready, the best in others. If I were to, listen, here's the thing, guys. Here's the preaching. You ready? If we live in a negative, 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 negative society, if we live in a negative society, guess what we're going to do? We're going to find the negative in everything, aren't we? But biblical love says, I choose to believe the best in you. I choose to believe the best. You go, well, Ben, what happens if, if they're proven wrong? What happens if they are messed up? What happens if they do make a mistake? What happens if we are? I said, but man, we still love them. Why? Because God is, God is still living in us and through us. Here's what we're good at. I knew it! I knew it. I, I say. I, I told. I told you. I told. I just. I never see God doing that with me. Look, ben, oh, did you see that, Michael? Did you see Ben? Oh my goodness! I, I give up on Ben. I, he's a, he's a lost cause. You know what? My God never does that. He says, "No, no, no, no." I still believe in the best in Him. I still believe He's going to come around. Come on, keep working with Him. Keep working with Him. Keep working with Him. Right? Because love bears all things. Love believes all things. You ready? Love endures all things. Here it is. It means love does not give up, and it turns enemies into friends. Yeah, pastor, but they hate me. Keep loving them. Yeah, pastor, but just keep loving Now, I'm not saying you have to hang out, man. I'm not saying that you got enemies, and you're like, hey, let's go hang out. But you love them. What does Jesus say? He says, man, love your enemies. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them who spitefully use you. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's love our enemies. No, pastor, I love my friends, man. I'll buy my friends a Coke, but I ain't buying my enemies a Coke. No, buy your enemies a Coke because love endures long. And you're going to win them to Jesus. What else? Love hopes. Love is hopeful and it has confidence in the future. Every time... You think this hurt will be forever? Love always hopes the best because his hope is in God. You go, what does that mean? Man, we we live in a world, guys, we live in a world with no hope. We need hope. And so we need to think what's best for the future. Well, pastor, I'm hurt right now, but hang in there because the future's bright. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Do you trust the Lord that he's going to work it all out? It's going to be amazing. The future is amazing. That's what he's saying. Hope. Where does our hope come from? That's what he says. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said. Listen, quote, If your brother is angry without a cause, angry with you without a a cause, be sorry for them. But do not let them conquer you by driving you into a bad temper. 
Stand fast in love, endure not some things, but all things for Christ's sake, so you can prove yourself to be a Christian indeed, end quote. Now, this is what Paul says. I want to know what love is. I want to know. I want to know how it behaves. And so he's telling us this, but check this out. Very quickly, check this out. The best way to understand this text is to see them in the life of Jesus. As a matter of fact, you and I could insert Jesus where it says love. Jesus suffers long, right? Jesus right, is kind. Jesus does not envy. You guys know the point. He's like, yeah, yeah, because the Bible says God is love and Jesus, yeah, okay, amen. So, so love, this is what love is. This is how love behaves. This is a biblical love and we know this is how Jesus behaves, but you really want to know the goal? The goal, here's the point of the whole sermon, that we can put our name in the place of love. That's the goal. When someone can go in your life and say this, oh, Ben suffers long. Ben is patient. Ben is kind. How about this? Mark does not envy. Carol does not parade herself or is puffed up. Talia does not behave rudely. Jesse doesn't seek his own. Josh doesn't. It's not provoked. You guys, you see where I'm going with this? How about this? Quinn thinks no evil. Wow, man, that's, that's hard. That's, I'm sure. Oh. Haas doesn't rejoice in iniquity. Becky bears all things. Jack believes all things. Leslie hopes all things. Cindy endures all things. That's the goal, guys. The goal here is that we could get to the place where we could be those things. It's called progressive sanctification, and we're growing more like Jesus every single day. And so this is what, this is what love should look like. This is how it should behave. This is what it should be. We should be patient. We should be kind. We should be long-suffering. We should believe all things. We should walk in all things, trust all things, hope all things, endure all things. Lord, I'm going to trust you. Because Paul then says to the Corinthian church, love never fails. Love never fails. And he's going to go on to tell us, like, tongues are going to fail, and, and all of this is going to fail. He says, but love never fails. Look at verse 8. He says, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away, right? What's he saying? He's saying, guys, look, listen, all of these things are going to fail, but, but love never fails. And Paul is writing to the Corinthian church because they overemphasize the gifts, and yet we learn that the gifts will one day cease. So the application that love never ceases is to focus on love, to focus on love. And then Paul finishes with this, guys. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly and then face to face. Now I know in part then I shall know how just as I am known. He says, now abide in faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Okay, so let's close with these verses. 
What did Paul say? Paul tells us at the very end, okay, guys, it's time to grow up. He says, when we were kids, we acted like kids. He said, we thought as kids, but now that we're grown up, here's what he's saying. Act like a grown up. Okay, now he's not telling us to to be so stiff and so rigid. I am a grown up. What he's saying, guys, is he's saying, he said, you can't think like a five-year-old anymore. You got to think like a man. You've grown up. And he says, now, we don't see everything clearly down here. It's like peering through a fog, right, or through a mist. He says, but one day, the weather's going to clear, and we're going to see everything bright and shiny. And then we'll see it all. We'll see it as clearly as God sees it, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But here's my point. He says, abide. Abide. That word abide means make your home in. Make your home. Do you guys know what I'm talking about when he says abide? Jesus said to us, abide in me and I in you. But the word abide is really simple. Like, do you, do you ever, have you ever gone to a house or maybe you have a friend where their house is just really, really spotless and, and clean and almost museum-like and you go in and you just feel like you cannot be comfortable there? Like, you would never take off your shoes, and if they offered you something to drink, you would never drink it in their house because you're just afraid. I mean, it's just so perfect. I mean, you have those houses. You can't abide in there. You're just like, oh, I'm here to visit. Okay, I just, ugh, I just, I just felt, I don't know. Uncomfortable. Anybody? You guys know what I'm talking about? But then you have a friend who you're like, oh my goodness, I feel so comfortable here. You come in and the shoes come off and you're in the fridge and you're like making coffee and they're letting you just feel so at home in somebody else's house. That's the word. He says, make your home. Where? And he says, in these three things. He says, make sure you feel so comfortable with faith, right? hope and love oh by the way the greatest of these is love and so if we go well what exactly is the love he's talking about well now we have to go back to verse 1 and go all the way through because that's exactly what he says this is what love is amen Lord thank you for your word today and the truth in your word we bless your holy name amen and amen Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.